October 10th, I mean October 9th, 2023. Messed the date up, but you know how we do. It's a manic Monday. We're pressing for time. We're a little late behind, but we're all good. And Andy, and now it begins. The real college football season is up on us. We got all them little gratuity games out the way. We got some stuff jumping off where we didn't know who was fake, who was real, who was pretending, who was trying to get it in, and who's trying to win the college football playoff. We're to that time. It's crisp outside, the leaves have fall. It's gotten cold. It's been 30 degrees at night right here in Ohio. So we got a lot going on, and that means it's real live college football season. What's up, Andy? I just want to highlight you, man, and say what's crack lacking, man. Dude, it was a really interesting Saturday. I know we're about to talk about one of the teams that I think might have had the worst loss that I have ever seen in college football. And I have mm. grown up watching Syracuse, Penn State, Pitt, Nebraska my entire life. Uh, there were some big wins. There's a lot happening on this week's slate. And there's one game that we're talking about. I think it's the last game that we've got queued up that I think might be like one of the most interesting games that I guarantee no one is like has on their radar except for those really diehard college football fans. Well, that's what this show is all about. This show is about <laughs> bringing you college football content that you won't get anywhere else. But before you get to that, thanks you guys for rocking with us on Fans First Sports Network, rocking out on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and now live on YouTube with the Level Up podcast that we do every week. We're going to bring you guys the best content that's out there and available on YouTube. So when you check us out here, just make sure you hit that like button, subscribe and share with everybody so in that way they know they are getting the best college football content that's out there on the Fans First Sports Network. For sure, for sure. Andy, we got a heck of a slate of games going on. But I just want to talk to you a little review about one game before we go to it. Red River Rivalry, man. What the heck's yep. going on, man? My, my family's calling him Brent Vegetables versus Brent Venables. <laughs> you know, what in the world is going on? How did Oklahoma pull the shocker off, man? How did they do it? Well, I think one of the more interesting things that we saw in this game was that it was the first time that Texas was facing a team that was willing to play their game. We saw in the Alabama game that Bama was not willing to play that same type of up-tempo offensive game. And I think it was really interesting. Like you and I were going on about the show previously last week yeah. where we knew that this could be a possibility. Like Oklahoma definitely could play a rock fight game. Texas could play a rock fight game. Yeah. But like this was going to be – and this was going to be one of the possible game options that, that was likely to happen. I think what was really interesting here is that – this was the first time that I saw Oklahoma's offense rise to the occasion. Now, part of this Ooh. was a little bit because Texas's pass rush uh, was not that it not that it was bad, but Oklahoma yeah. does a really nice job on the offensive line of shifting pressure away in ways that make it really easy for uh, their quarterback, that kid um, whose name I'm Dylan just Gabriel. blanking on right now. Gabriel. Yes, Gabriel. Um, one of the things that Gabriel does really well when he's facing pressure is either rolling out, bootlegging, or stepping up into the pocket at an angle. The yeah. one thing that he has been really that he has struggled with at times this season is when they just you straight up bull rush him and the pressure's coming right at him. And what I think Oklahoma did a fantastic job in this game was making sure 
that they were able to call out the Texas blitzes when they were coming and they were mm. slide protectioning like a pro. Like it was, it yes. was probably one of the best offensive line games that I have seen from a schematic perspective where they said, we know what we need to do to keep our quarterback upright and have the most yeah. success. That's what we need to do on every single passing play. And yeah. it allowed them to go toe for toe with Texas. At the end of the day, they just made a couple more plays. Like it was a really evenly fought game from my perspective. Man, Andy, you hit him with so many facts. It was ridiculous, man. Yeah. There was a lot going on with that. And that was so true because the issue was Texas played a vanilla game plan and thought mono e mono, athlete on athlete, that they could come in and give Oklahoma the business. And it just wasn't happening. They left too much time on the clock. And I hate to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, but Quinn Ewers is not an NFL quarterback. I've been saying it for a minute. People's been talking about Heisman Trophy, this, that, and this. He's inaccurate. You can say that he's thrown so many passes in a row and all whatever else. When the pressure's on the line, what you gonna do? And we he showed it was like with a wink, real Quinn Ewers stand up. Please stand up. And he stood up with both feet and he said, Hey, I'm this guy. So he needs to develop more. But some of that was because the game plan that was called versus Brett Vegetables or Brett Venables <laughs> versus Steve Star, Star, Starkankian versus Steve Starkesian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who did what and how? So, but I think this sets up a showdown. If there's no shenanigans and no foolery going on down in the Big 12, because you know the commissioner's already said he don't want nobody, he don't want either one of those teams to win. So if there's no shenanigans, no foolery, no upset specials on, on board, I think this sets up a showdown, a rematch between Oklahoma and Texas for the right maybe to go to the college football playoff. You agree, Andy? Yeah, 100%. Because I think one of the interesting things here is that we thought the Big 12 was going to be what the Pac-12 actually is. We thought this was going to be a super deep conference that had a lot of teams at a lot of different tiers. Might be some chum at the bottom, but was going to be an overall strong conference. Mm -hmm. And like what we've seen so far is that TCU, you know, went to the the national championship game last year. They're a seven or an eight win team right now. Kansas... Re- really similar vibes there. They, they're going to be a tough team to play, but they, they just don't got it where they can bring it against one of these top tier schools. Yeah. And so you end up, in, you end up in this weird situation where I was honestly more worried about Texas slipping up uh, than Oklahoma. But now that Texas yeah. has this one loss and has no margin for error. They're going to be on point for the rest of the year. And I think Oklahoma, oh, we know what Oklahoma is. Oklahoma is going to be pretty steady from here on out. And I have no mm-hmm. doubt that we're going to see these two teams in the Pac-12 title game. What gets really interesting is that, you know, Oklahoma goes undefeated the whole way. Yeah. Um, but but their schedule has been so soft. Butter. Soft their butter. only marquee win is one win over Texas. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's enough to get into the playoff. And then you're talking about a one-loss Texas we're going to talk about what I think is a legitimate playoff preview, uh, yeah, playoff yeah. play-in game later on in the show. There's yeah. just there's just so many teams that are going to be in that mix with one loss. Yeah, it's facts. going to be really t- tough to sort them out. I, I totally agree. I w- And will this be the year that we have an undefeated team not make it to the college football playoff? Will this be the year? Could Oklahoma be that team? And those are some of the questions that we're going to talk about here on today's show on Level Up Podcast with me. Big G and Andy P. But Andy, first game off the rip. First game on the slate. And I know Timmy Lyons is going to be out there listening in podcast land. Maybe the game of the week. The USC Trojans with Caleb Williams running into South Bend, Indiana after 
They went down to Louisville, Kentucky, and got spanked by the Cardinal, who's, by the way, undefeated. And you got Louisville that's whooped Notre Dame, and now here comes the reigning Hyman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, into South Bend for what could be Marcus Freeman's job. <laughs> could be. We don't know. We'll see. But we're going to talk about it. Andy, give me a little bit about the breakdown between Notre Dame and the USC Trojan boys. What I think is like really interesting here is that if you look at again, going back to my going back to my SP plus, my model that I like the most from Bill C over at ESPN. Yeah. He's got USC as the ninth ranked team in the country. He's got Notre Dame at 12th, obviously a lot higher than the voters have it. But again, Notre Dame played that close game against Ohio State, who's a really good team. Louisville is another team that I think has been slept on. We'll get to them in a couple of weeks. They've got some big games coming up. But yeah. Talking about Notre Dame and USC, one of the biggest things that I think needs to be looked at is how bad USC's defense is. Facts. USC is number no, USC is number nine in this ranking because their offense is the best in the country by a pretty significant margin. They yeah. can put up points. They also allowed Arizona to score 17 unanswered to open a game with a backup quarterback. Yeah. Like, if, if Arizona had any cojones, they would have gone for the win in that first overtime uh, instead of going for the tie. And I think they yeah. probably would have beat USC and this game would look a whole lot different Yeah, um, yeah. because th this USC's defense is a mess. And I think Notre Dame's offense and SP plus is ranked 24th. It's Facts. obviously not elite. It's very good though. And this, and this becomes the question. Do you like a very good offense against a very bad D or against a bad defense mm. instead of, the best offense versus a top 10 defense. And that's really what this game is going to come down to is how many times can Notre Dame stop USC? Because I do not think that USC is going to stop Notre Dame at all. Man, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with the initial take and initial breakdown of this game. If, if you had to look at it on paper, as far as who's more physical, Notre Dame or USC versus who is the anomaly in the room, which is Caleb Williams, who might be a generational quarterback. The, the, the nine on one side goes to USC. But if I got to build a college football roster, man for man, strength on strength, guy on guy, I would go with Notre Dame. And I think this is a get real game for, for the USC Trojans. I think that they've been fool's gold the whole season. I think Caleb Williams is a serviceable player. I do believe that he will be the number one overall pick in this year's NFL draft. There's no doubt about it. But his team is not real. They're not real. There's fool's gold. They're pretenders. And I think this is a game where, like I said, Marcus Freeman might be playing for his job because people are screaming. I, I know Tim Lyons. I know other people out there that are over in Notre Dame land know this. People are screaming, <laughs> saying that the job was too big for Marcus Freeman. It was too big for him. So now – after you lose to Ohio State 17 to 14, and you got 10 guys on the field, and then after you go down to the Ville and you get mopped, now those little echoes and stuff that was in the background is now saying, hey, the job might really be too big for him. So I think there's a lot of pride on the line with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish more than ever before. And not to mention, this is Notre Dame USC. You know, this is where the bush, the bush push and butt push and all that other stuff come. The Notre Dame originally locked the green jerseys against USC Trojans years ago. There's so much in this rivalry 
because it's Los Angeles versus Midwest, and there's a lot of stuff going on. But I think this is the game, personally, without you know going into like some of the stats, that we're going to find out that USC is fool's gold. Andy, what you think about that, bro? No, I 100% agree, because if you look at both of Notre Dame's losses, that game against Ohio State is about as even as you can get. So it sucks that they lost that game. They obviously lost it because of a coaching mistake, but yeah. that game came down to the last play against a yeah. really good team that's in contention for the playoff as well. Yeah. However, if you look at that Louisville game, it's another game where Notre Dame had five drives in Louisville territory that ended in either a turnover on downs yeah. or uh, or some kind of turnover. And Sam Hartman did not play well. I'm not here trying to rewrite that narrative. Sam Hartman had a, had an absolute crap game, and he's had too many games this season where he is not playing as good as he did last year at Wake Forest. Yeah. So all that being said, Notre Dame's two losses are games where if Notre Dame doesn't make those mistakes, they're probably undefeated. Yeah. But you're looking at USC – and every single one of USC's Pac-12 wins to date come with a caveat. You know, they beat Arizona State, but man, Arizona State was going punch for punch for them for two and a half quarters. Facts. They beat Arizona. They needed two overtimes to do that. Facts. Um, and if this USC team is supposed to be what it is marketed as under Lincoln Riley, you know, they paying him all this money to come away from Oklahoma and build USC into a playoff contender. You mm. do not have those games with a roster that is so talented. I think honestly – that's where this that's where this game is going to be really decided here is that Notre Dame has a deeper roster. They have a more physical roster. USC is still working through their portal and recruiting issues. There's a lot of players on that team, especially on defense that are just small. Listen, yeah. again, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of the actual game plan, but if I was in this situation, Marcus Freeman, you are having Sam Hartman hand that ball off at least 40 times a game. You've got horses Ooh. in the backfield, speci specifically Estime, who is – so good and will get so many yards he should yeah. average five yards a carry against this defense yeah like to me notre dame has a very clear path to victory here that's pretty easy to execute usc yeah. has the much tougher task and notre dame being at home th there's just too many factors for me that go you know what notre dame has all of the advantages coming into this one yeah well Seth, i'll say this much i i think that like you said Roster on roster, mono on mono, player on player, Notre Dame has the advantage. But the issue is, and people need to really take a look at this, Sam Hartman has not been trash. He's thrown for 1,712 yards, 13 touchdowns, it's like three or four interceptions. But the issue is, is that Notre Dame has had an identity crisis, in my opinion, for trying to decide on whether or not it's going to be Estime's team, are they going to run five running backs in the game, or do you just get up and play Big boy football, NFL, play action, pro action, NFL look football against a team that's going to struggle defensively. Now, we all know about Caleb Williams and him going to throw the ball all over the place, including to Jerry Rice, his son, who's a dog wide receiver. He's a, he's a beast out there, you guys. But I just think that in the trenches, Notre Dame wins. Notre Dame's been having guard and center issues because Ohio State exposed them. And then it got exposed a little bit more and a little bit more against Duke. And then a little bit more against Louisville. But the issue is I think Notre Dame's just too strong. Just too strong. And I think I think Hartman, this is the game that they brought Sam Hartman to Notre Dame for. They brought him for this game, to win this game in South Bend, Indiana. And, and I just think, like I said, Caleb Williams, the hype train's over, buddy. 
I think they're going to get after you early and often. They're going to get after you. And, you know, one thing about him, and it showed in the Arizona game, he doesn't like getting hit. He'll run all over the place. Yeah, he'll make spectacular plays, but he does not like getting hit. He gets extremely frustrated by getting hit. So that's why I'm like, man, I like Notre Dame. But, you know, me and Andy's going to talk about that. But the thing is now, we want to see, Andy, give me your keys to the game for, the, yeah, for this one. I think it's straight up that. I think it's straight up play selection here. I want to see Notre Dame run the ball 55% of the snaps. I want a run-based game plan that keeps the ball out of Caleb Williams' hands because that's the other part of this, like running the ball. It is the best defense against Caleb Williams because that clock is going to tick down and you're going to dominate the time of possession battle. So Mm. for me, that it's really as simple as that. And USC knows that that's probably the smart play. They'll probably be loading up boxes you will be tempted. You will be tempted to do some play action and try to take your mm. shots downfield. Don't fall for it. Trust your yeah. guys in the trenches. Trust your running back. Let them do the dirty work and grind USC down. Because again, we've seen time after time this Trojan team has a hard time starting. They want you to get into a shootout because that's how Caleb Williams can win games. Facts. Don't let that happen. Just don't let that happen. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. To- in totality, I think that the slower the pace the game is. The lower the score is, the better chance that Notre Dame has to win. So, Andy, I'm going to switch it up. This week, normally you go, I let you go first and pick, you know, and then I sort of bounce and play off of you. I'm going to go first this week. Let's do it. The the Notre Dame Fighting Irish will win in South Bend, Indiana. They're tired of losing. Yeah, Tim Lyons, I know. They had the gauntlet. We've already said it. We've already identified it. USC, I mean, uh, Ohio State, Duke. Louisville, USC Trojans, yes, they're tired. But guess what does well when you're tired? Home cooking. South Indiana, South Bend, Indiana, in the cold, which USC don't want to come and play. It's going to be like probably 32 degrees or 33 degrees at kickoff because they're playing at night. They're not going to want to play that game. So I'm picking Notre Dame to shock the college football world and win this game. 27-20, Notre Dame. That's my pick. And I'm sticking to it. Andy, who you got? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Notre Dame is just the better roster. I think Notre Dame has the better body of work, even with the two losses. I think Notre Dame, I still think that Caleb Williams is going to get his. Like, there's just no way you can stop that. But I think we're going to see USC stalled out a lot more than we've ever seen them before. I'm picking Notre Dame 30 to 24. I think that we're I think we're gonna see Nerd Dame get back on the saddle and, and have a great game. Man, that's what I'm talking about, Mandy. Sometimes great minds think alike. And I think oh, yeah. definitely today, we're both on the Notre Dame train. We realize and know what's at stake for Notre Dame. So we're Absolutely. cheering for him. And we think, oh, he said, Oh, Tim Lyons said 50% chance of rain in South Bend. Oh, yeah. Caleb, you're in trouble, buddy. Welcome to the mosh pit. <laughs> welcome, to, <laughs> welcome to rain and slippery fields and you're not getting the calls and you crying like a baby get ready for the popping and the notre dame iris win the game for sure for sure hey so andy before we go to our next game we're going to take a quick commercial break and pay some bills on fans first sports network level up podcast with big g and andy p you guys is watching this in the live chat check with us in about 15 seconds as we pay these bills we'll see you guys in about 15 
with the Level Up Podcast. Big G rocking out with Andy P. It's a manic Monday. We had a frantic weekend going on with college football. There's been some shifts. There's been some changes. There's been some realignments. There's What we thought was going into it didn't happen. There's been some things that have changed, ladies and gentlemen. And so now, this week is, and now it begins. It is really football season. And that's where we're at. October decides everything. The college football playoff first poll is right around the corner. So we got another game for you. The Miami Hurricanes, whose coach might have made the dumbest play in college football history versus the North Carolina Tar Heels, who is saying we're the big boys of the ACC down there in Chapel Hill. So, Andy, give me what you got this week with the Hurricanes and UNC as we break down ACC country. I'm telling you right now, the ending to that game, I have a friend, she's a diehard Georgia Tech fan, her whole family's Georgia Tech fans. She's hitting up our group chat and she goes, guys, you have to turn on the Georgia Tech Miami game. And we're like, we're not turning on the Georgia Tech Miami game. And then all we all start searching Twitter. We all start seeing the, all the reactions come through. That has to be one of the single dumbest coaching mistakes that I have ever seen. And the hard part for Mario Cristobal is that he was already coming into this season with the reputation of being a bad game manager in close games, specifically in the fourth quarter. And Total he's going to have that game stamped to his resume from here to the end of time. It doesn't matter if Miami runs the gauntlet from the rest of the way. Every close game, they're going to show clips of that fumble. They're going to show clips of Georgia Tech slinging it to tie the game. It, it is it is one of those things where going into this game against UNC, I could read off all the different stats about how you know SP Plus thinks Miami and UNC are actually pretty close. We can talk about the defensive and offensive mismatches. Man, I think this is just a mental game right here because Miami Ooh. is going to have to recover from hearing about this, talking about this. You know, you know that everybody in that locker room has heard and seen all the reactions. They know Cristobal's job is now suddenly on the hot seat. And yeah. you've got a UNC team that I personally think is the second best team in the ACC right now. We've been sleeping Ooh. on UNC a lot because we knew that defense was a little bit suspect. But last week against Syracuse, uh, the week before that, uh, when uh, they they you know they've played Minnesota, um, they have just continually shown that this defense might actually be legit. I don't know if it's elite, but it's definitely a good defense. And with Drake May and that offense, like one of the things that I was genuinely surprised about was how little they used Tez Walker this past week. The yeah, uh, receiver just, just got eligible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They barely used him in the Syracuse game plan, which means that there is still another level to this offense where you're utilizing one of the fastest guys in college football uh, in an already potent arsenal. Yeah. Man, I think that if you're Miami, like this, this game has a chance to get ugly really quick. And if that happens, I don't know if Miami can recover. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about my 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 friends and my colleagues calling Crystal him versus Crystal Ball, you know, Crystal him, <laughs> they said he just makes boneheaded plays, man. And if you got Crystal him out there coaching against Mac Brown, who seasoned this, if there's if there was any such thing as being overseasoned, Mac Brown is overseasoned. I mean, he's done this yes. thing at 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 North Carolina first, and then back over to Texas, and then back to North Carolina. You know, he knows what time it is, and he knows how to coach in big-time moments. And he's got a big-time player. And last I checked, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. And that's Drake May, who could be the number two position player off the board in this coming NFL draft from the University of North Carolina quarterback. 
He's really that guy. But I think that Miami has a serviceable quarterback and Taylor Van Dyke. I think Taylor Van Dyke is a good quarterback. He's not a scrub. He's not trash. He's serviceable. He's a good game manager. And the thing about the Hurricanes that's been for the last few years is that they just haven't had those athletes at those positions that we're used to seeing Miami have back in the good old days. You know, even all the way back, even as late as 2002, 2003, 2004, the Hurricanes had athlete for athlete, mano y mano across the field. But I think now they got it. Uh, the, the one guy that they haven't fed to me, which is really lightweight but ticking me off, is Henry Paris Jr. I think Henry Paris Jr. is a top 10 running back in college football. I, I think the kid's got burst. I think he's got unbelievable speed. But when you don't give him the ball, how in the world are you going to know? For you guys that don't know out there, he's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. So every time he touches, touches the ball, it's almost a first down. Give him the ball. you know. But, but the issue is going to be, what does this come down to? Can the actual – can the Hurricanes recover from a mental mistake so bad that they actually go and give North Carolina a game? That's that's the setup. That's what I'm that's what I'm anxious to see. But Andy, we're gonna jump to the keys to the game. Give me your keys to the game for the UNC Tar Heels versus the Miami Hurricanes. I already kind of hinted at the fact that I think that the Miami offense versus the UNC defense is going to be a bit of an interesting test just because we want to see how one offense bounces back versus another, you know, a defensive unit that's still a little bit unproven, but I'm getting more and more on board with. But yeah. specifically, uh, if you look at EPA, uh, expected points added, basically, uh, how every single play, how good are you at consistently adding value to the overall game by what you're doing? Uh, yeah. Miami's defense against the pass is 63rd. Yeah. You know, they're letting they're letting teams get chunks of yards through the air in a way that is somewhat worrying when you're going up against Drake May. Uh, because one of the things that I saw, especially this past week when I was watching the Syracuse UNC game. Yeah. Drake May is a really good quarterback at taking every single easy look you give him. Yeah, he's like a one of the reasons. One one of the reasons that he is so good is because he can make that deep ball. He can make those really hard throws. But yeah. if you as a defense are going to give him easy five six yard looks, he's just going to snack on that all day until you overcommit and then take the top off of you. Yeah. And so if you're Miami's defense, which has really kind of struggled to contain the passing game, especially in those five to 10 yard increments, I'm, I need to see a little bit more out of this defense because Drake may is going to pick you apart. You're going to let him have his, the problem is, is that can you stop them when they get, you know, you don't want UNC to get into that 30, 40 yard range where their kickers can start coming into play. If yeah. you know, just try to bend and don't break is probably the best way to move forward here. So that's really what I'm going to be watching here is that Miami secondary that has really struggled so far against UNC and Drake May, who have excelled against teams that like to give a little, you know, those five to six yard windows. Yeah, I got a, I got an interesting stack to break down to you to tell you too, Andy. Do you know that the Miami Hurricanes are on the bottom 10 of teams to stop 10 yard and plus pass plays in the whole country? Pass pro 10 yards or less. They are the one of the top 10 worst teams in college. And, oh, by the way, here comes the guy that Andy just broke down, Drake May, who might be the best at 10 yards unless just dumping the ball. So, yeah, that's going to be very interesting. I, I like another key, too. I want to see 
what the Miami Hurricanes offensive line does versus the front seven of North Carolina. I've seen them North Carolina kids get after people now. Watch out now, because one thing about Mac Brown, it might be because of his age. He ain't scared to gamble, y'all. Mac Brown will send the house. Mac Mac Brown will send the entire house. I'm, I'm talking about six, seven, eight guys. I'm going to play you in the box. I'm going to go single man, zero high coverage. I'm going to press you, but we're coming. You know, and he's not scared. And he's shown that. And I think that's the turn and the tide for North Carolina this year. They're super aggressive on defense where years past, no, nah, that wasn't Mac Brown style. But I think he's aggressive now because he's got horses. And Andy, you hit the nail, you hit the ball out of the park or the nail on the head when you said that this might be the second best team in the ACC because they're good offensively, defensively, special teams, and coaching. The outstanding, outstanding for the North Carolina Tar Heels, without a shadow of a doubt. So, Andy, we're going to get to it. The pick, Hurricanes, Tar Heels. Who you got, bro? I am going to stick with UNC here right now. It's funny. You look at the spread, and it's saying that this is going to be a three, three-and-a-half-point game, and I'm just sitting here going, I think UNC is going to boat race Miami. I think this is a game boat where race. Drake May is – is he's going to take the first two or three drives. They're going to be up. They're going to put up 21 points really quickly. Miami's yeah. going to need to keep pace and then try to figure something out here. I, I just don't think that they have it. Uh, that Georgia Tech loss. The other part of this, they were only putting up 20 points on Georgia Tech. Who's like not a great offense. Like I think Georgia Tech's not the worst team in the ACC, but I'm not sure Georgia Tech's going to make it to a bowl this year. They lost to Bowling Green. The whole thing, the whole momentum that Miami has is just not giving me good vibes right now for a team that you're going to need to have a great game to beat. Uh, Tar, Tar Heels all the way here. I think I think UNC wins this one 45-17. Ooh, that, that's a boat racing. I mean, that's that's yeah. what we call an old school shellacking. Getting up behind, getting up behind the pole barn and getting beat down. That's what we're talking about. Is going to be going on. Remind me a little bit what happened to the San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys, but that's another conversation. I don't want to talk about that on the level up podcast today. We're going to talk specifically college football. But Andy, I couldn't agree even more. I think that I think that North Carolina is setting up the showdown between them and the Florida State Seminoles, which I think might be one of the best played college football games if they're able to meet undefeated in that ACC championship game. It's a hard road to go. You know, you got Louisville in there playing. You got Duke in there still playing. Maybe this Miami team. It's a hard road to go. Clemson, Dabo, it's over. <laughs> Just letting you know, Dabo, it's over. It's it's all over with. You might as well go on ahead. You might be the next coach of Alabama if Saban retires. But you getting a national championship team over there in Clemson, adios muchachos, my friend. There's no more going on over there. So this is the shift in the guard with the ACC. And I like the Tar Heels to smash them 37-17. Not even close. Boat race, whatever you want to call it. They are out of here, man. So, Andy, we're going to the game that a couple of guys over in the live chat is already ready to talk about. The Oregon Ducks, the Quackers, <laughs> going against what might be, in my opinion, the Heisman Trophy winner. If we had to give a midseason Heisman Trophy, this is the winner. Michael Penix Jr. and the Washington Huskies up there, up there playing in Seattle against Oregon. Big-time game, maybe game of the week, maybe game of the year in the Pac-12. Talk to me a little bit about the Washington Huskies 
and the Oregon Ducks and Oregon Quackers. Yeah, I think this to me might be my favorite game of the season. Like I know I've said that a bunch of times, like we're talking about it, but as the season goes on, you see different rivalries. I don't think we're going to get as good of a game as heated as a rivalry as Oregon and Washington until we get Ohio state, Michigan. Like these are two teams that low key do not like each other. These are two teams that have battled for the PAC 12 over the last decade or so. They are now tied at the hip because of the move to the big 10. But right now, both of these programs feel like they want to be the the last winner of the true Pac-12. That means yeah. something to them. And yeah. this game is going to go a long way to deciding that. And the tough part for me is that if this was an Oregon game over, I would pick Oregon at home all day, any day. This Whoa. game's in Seattle. Yeah. This game is in Seattle. And one of the biggest challenges that we've seen so far in the Pac-12 is going on the road and winning games. Like every week. Yeah. I sit here and I break down. I can tell you that right now, Oregon has the fourth best offense and the 20, 20th best defense, according to SP+. Oregon's Facts. number one in overall uh, expected points added. Uh, their weakest unit in expected points added is pass defense, but they're still 18th in the country, you know, top 20 in the country at that. Like, they are a, one of the best-built overall teams in the country, but they are going on the road facing Michael Penix Jr. and this Washington offense that is the second best in the country by pretty much any measure that you want to look at. I I just think that this is going to be a banger of a game because you have probably two of the best rosters in the Pac-12 going at it right now, and I'm not honestly sure if you play this game 100 times, there's a team that wins 51 times. It might be just 50-50 every time. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree in totality. And so that what that then comes down to is, because we know about the offenses. We know how explosive both the Oregon Ducks and the Washington Huskies can be offensively. We know about it. So it's going to come down to whose defense is better, right? And I got a stat for you, Andy. I got a stat for you. In Seattle, the Washington Huskies, when ranked over the last 10 years, are 9-1 and against ranked opponents. In Seattle. In Seattle, nine and one. So Washington Huskies got a team now. They just it ain't just all about that whole offense. They got some defensive players that will be playing on Sundays. Whether you realize it or not, I'll throw you a couple of names, just how so you know. One of the guys who's my one of my favorite players is cornerback uh Dominique Hampton. I think Dominique Hampton is a first round NFL player. I mean, he's a corner, but he's 6'3", 220 pounds, which is really a walk-down safety. He's a, a lot like Sonny Styles at Ohio State. I hear come down and lay the wood on you now. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's 35 tackles for the Washington Huskies. I think one of the other guys that I really love is their other cornerback, Elijah Jackson. That kid is a ball hawk. He's not letting nobody get behind him. He's legit 435, 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 4'3", 
it's going to come down to can Oregon's defense stop Penix? Because I think Washington's defense can stop Bo Nix. I believe that wholeheartedly, that Washington's defense can stop Bo Nix. But can, can Oregon's defense stop Penix and the wide receivers? Because, ladies and gentlemen, they have the best wide receiver core, and I love the Buckeyes, die hard. Numero uno is out there in Seattle, wide receiver core. Absolutely. Andy, what you think, bro? No, I, I you're bringing up all these really good points, and like this is where one of the more interesting elements of of this game come into play, which is the injuries that Washington's been dealing with. So, you mentioned Elijah getting in, uh, Elijah Jackson getting the snaps, yeah. and that's because their starting cornerback uh, went down against Tulsa. Facts. Um, Davon Banks went down. They've now got a JUCO transfer filling in the extra snaps. Uh, he's yep. playing the nickel, so they kind of moved the cornerback depth chart up. Yep. Not what you want to see, but like you said, for me, that injury is – I think I think that that's been resolved a bit. The part for me that's really concerning is that Mateo Malay is their starting center. He was a sixth-year senior. He got that COVID year. He was 6'6", in the plus 300s. He's yeah. out for the season as well. Yeah. And they're yeah. relying on a redshirt freshman at center. And, yeah. you know, for me, I, I am always – there are three positions – where when your starter goes down and you don't have an experienced backup there, I get really worried. And that's quarterback, that's defensive tackle if you're playing a traditional pro-style defense, yeah. um, and it is uh, center. Because those three positions control so much of the game on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and then ultimately the offense. And so for me, I'm looking at this, and one of the things that I think is uh, making me lean a little bit Oregon here it, and this is all just kind of going with eye test gut here. You know, mm. Oregon brought in that SEC coaching staff and that SEC mentality. You saw that. Like, I don't know if you got to see that video that they put out after the Colorado win. But that entire team from the head coach down to the strength and conditioning coach are putting in that mentality of, you know, it's all about this week. We are not playing the opponent. We are playing ourselves. We are here to take advantage of whatever the game plan is, execute that game plan to 100%. And yeah. for me, I think that the game plan in this game, like the key to the game is going to be how Oregon can derive pressure up the middle through those two A-gaps. Mm -hmm. Washington, you know, they they know that they've got this backup center in. They know that he's young. They're going to try to simplify some of the pre-snap reads. They're going to rely on Penix. That offense is a lot of based on timing and a lot on Penix calling things out and seeing things. Yeah. I think if you're Oregon, the only way you're going to slow him down is disrupting at the point of attack. You've got to come out in front and center. And how Washington reacts to that, to me, is going to be really interesting because I do think there's an opportunity here for Oregon to take advantage of this of this one weakness that the offense has, and it's just because you've got a you've got a redshirt freshman trying to learn the ropes and playing in the biggest game of his career to date. Man, keys to the game, keys to the victory. Andy P, you laid it out there, man. So saying all that, man, we got to get to our pick. Andy, I'm swinging it to you because this is the game. This might be the game of the year. Yeah. Who you got, man? Who you got and why? So I got a buddy. Love him to Look, death. He, he's, he, he, breathed hard. he breathed hard. He breathed hard. He breathed hard. He's oh. <laughs> let's go. He literally go. flew out to Seattle to go to this game. Like that's how uh, big of a game this is for, for these Washington faithful. I don't want to do it to you, VJ. But I like the Ducks in a close one here. I just 
think that the Ducks are a little bit better put together. I think that they can take advantage on the lines. If it's raining out there, I think the game's going to it's going to really nullify the passing attack. I think that benefits Ooh. Oregon more than it benefits Washington. I I it's it's really hard for me to pick the road team in the Pac-12 here. It really is. But I'm going to take Oregon. I think it's going to be 20 to 17. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. But I don't I don't like that pick. I don't I if I was a betting man, I would not place any money on this game. I think it's I game of the year for sure, but I I just don't have a solid read one way or the other. I just see little things that could that could potentially happen for both sides here. Andy, you know most of the time, 99, about 90% of the time, we yeah. agree. Yeah, we agree. We're, we're really good synced up. But Andy, I'm telling you. Michael Penix Jr. is him. <laughs> He's him. <laughs> Michael Penix Jr. is going to throw for 300 yards plus and four touchdowns against the Oregon Ducks. And they're going to win 38-27 Washington Huskies. And he's going to move in front as the clear-cut Heisman Trophy winner for this year's season. Penix him. But any of you guys that's out there that's listening to us that watch pro and college football, Caleb Williams is a dog. Drake May's a dog. But guess who might go number three in the draft? Michael Penix Jr. He's really that. He's really him. He's been him since Indiana. The kid's got a cannon. He can run all over the field. He can throw the ball. And, and when things get tight, just ask Notre Dame. When you got all world wide receivers, you get the ball to them. You get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And that's what I think Penix is going to do. Give me the Huskies for the dub over the Oregon Ducks, without a shadow of a doubt, man. That's what I got. I love so, Andy, it. we're going we're gonna to do one more game before we take a commercial break and then hit our last couple ones real quick. This is another game in that Pac-12, that wacky Pac-12. UCLA, who pulled the upset on Washington State. Man, let me tell you, man, it, it was a lot of things going on in that game, man. You know, <laughs> and UCLA's defense showed up, showed up and showed out. Yeah. Against the Oregon State DJ Uilule, <laughs> Oregon State DJs coming in there at five and one. This game actually could be an elimination game. And that's why we say the season starts this week for the Pac 12. Somebody right here, you lose here, you kiss the baby. So what you got with UCLA and Oregon State? Yeah, you you hit the biggest nail on the head right there. UL, UCLA's defense showed up. I think this was a big question mark that we had. UCLA has one of the worst passing offenses in the country. They've got a five-star freshman quarterback back there playing. They will be better as the season goes on, and they will be better next year. But right now in these big games, you cannot rely on UCLA to throw the ball and win the game. What you can rely on today is their defense shutting everybody down. Like if you go to EPA, they have the fourth-ranked overall defense they're the 21st best passing defense, second best rush defense. This is a unit that there's one other defense in the country that I would take over UCLA, but that's about it. And the UCLA Ooh. and UCLA is going up against an Oregon State team that I've weirdly watched a lot of this year because they've been playing in some really hype games. But this Oregon State offense really relies on DJU to make the big splash play. Because there are still times where you see the reason why he transferred from Clemson, why he lost his job to Kate Klubnick. 
he yeah. really struggles with the what uh with what you know i've heard people call like the layup throws like the really yeah. easy you know three yard out plays hit the guy in stride all you gotta do is just put the ball in a spot let the guy do all the work still throwing behind guys throwing above guys i i just feel like when you've got a defense that's this good and you don't do the little stuff good sure you know the big plays might occasionally happen but you need to get yards consistently and i'm i'm really i'm really interested here to see how oregon state figures out how to move the chains against ucla because this has been one of the better de- this this has just been one of the better defenses in the country period yeah and but andy you're absolutely 150% correct but this is the issue UCLA's got a freshman quarterback that's playing named Dante Moore. And if if Dante, if, if you had DTR that was playing for the Cleveland Browns and UCLA this year, UCLA might be in championship contention. But it's a freshman. And so as well as UCLA's defense has been playing, and they've been more or less depending on UCLA's defense, Moore is having a slow start. He's not trash. He's not garbage. But he's a freshman. He's a true freshman. He's never played college before. This is it. He's got about 1,200 yards passing. He's looked good at times, and other times he's looked really, really bad, including that pick six that he threw against Washington State last year while they was on the opposing goal line. I think it was like 97-yard pick six. You know, So this is a game where I think Oregon State leans hard on their defense yeah. to say, okay, if we're going to get into a slugfest and a battle, Oregon State's defense versus UCLA's defense. May the best man win because we I think that where Oregon State has the veteran quarterback that won't make the mistake that kills you, I think UCLA has the young quarterback that will make the mistake to kill you. So that's that's where I'm looking at as far as the matchup for this game. Andy, we gave him a preview. We gave him a breakdown. Give me your score and give me your pick for the UCLA Bruins and the Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, this is one of those games that I do think is going to be really close. Uh, right now, the line is hovering anywhere between three and a half to five points in favor of Oregon State. I, I don't think it's going to be that high, but I am going to I do think that Oregon State is going to get the dub. You know, they uh, UCLA already went up to uh, on the road once in a big ranked game. They went up and played Washington State. And like you said, their their offense was just making mistakes left and right. The, or I think it was no, sorry, that was the Utah game where they threw four picks game was over before it even started i you know it's nice to have that game in the back pocket to say like okay they've done it once you know they got the rookie quarter the freshman quarterback yeah i just i just think oregon state's gonna find a way to get it done at home and i think oregon i to your point i think oregon state's on a mission here to get yeah. themselves into that conversation where they're being talked about to make the pac-12 championship game and i'm really interested to see what kind of statement they make here in a game where you know that DJU is probably not going to win you this game unless he balls out and has the game of his career. So how else do you generate offense against this really good defense? I think they'll figure it out. And I think Oregon State wins this one 20-17. Not not a lot of points here, but I do think that it's going to be – I do think it's going to be a close game. I like Oregon State too for the W, but I think what's going to win this game, believe it or not, is a trick play. I think Oregon State has something up their sleeve. It's going to be a running back pass for a touchdown. There's going to be a trick play that's going to separate these two teams. Yep. So I like Oregon State to win 27-17. And they, they wanted to come down to the Civil War. 
They want Oregon, Oregon State to decide something to mean something. Because this is it. Remember, Oregon State and Washington State don't have a home. It's the Pac-2 or the Pac-whatever. They ain't got no place <laughs> to go. So now they're playing for their hearts and their lives and showing, hey, look, we we deserve to be in a conference. So I think that Oregon State wins. Little, little get back for UCLA before they get on to the Big Ten. And Oregon State will pull this game out for sure, for sure. So, so Andy, we're going to take a quick commercial break on the Fans First Sports Network Level Up podcast college football preview for week seven and this week's college football. For all of y'all watching on YouTube, we'll see you guys in about 10. And we're back with the Level Up College Football Preview Podcast. Andy P. in the building, rocking out with Big G on Fans First Sports Network. Hey, Thank you guys for rocking with us and listening to us. And make sure you share, like, and subscribe on all the medias out there, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. But make sure you keep coming back and watching us on YouTube as we get into it because we love the interaction with the fans over in the live chat, and we want to keep rocking with you guys week to week to week to week. So thank you, first of all. But, Andy, we got two to cover. We got to go quick. We got to move some ground. Big time, Big Ten West. Matchup could be for the team that represents the West in the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. The Iowa Hawkeyes, who lost their quarterback for the season, Kay McNamara's done, IR, adios, muchachos, versus a Wisconsin team that got their behinds handed to them to Washington State, but since then has put together some wins. They're coming in at 5-1. and one. Andy, give me the preview of the Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Wisconsin Badgers. So remember when I was talking about how there would be one defense that I would take over UCLA's it's Iowa's defense. Iowa has yeah. the number one defense in SP plus by a pretty significant margin. This is, this is a defense that is, you know, probably better than some of those NFL defenses that are getting trotted out there. If we're going to be hundred percent honest here, the mm. problem with Iowa is that they have the worst ranked offense in SP plus. This is literally a team that is, all 99 overalls on defense, whole lot of 50 overalls on offense, and now they <laughs> lost their starting quarterback. And th- it, this game, this team is just pure chaos energy. And then you bring in yeah. Wisconsin, who's a little bit more leveled. Like if you go, you know, their defense is definitely solid. Their offense yeah. is maybe average to a little bit above average. And yeah. so it becomes a really interesting question here of Wisconsin is banking on the door of the top 25. You know that your defense is probably going to stop Iowa from doing anything. But what can your offense do against this unit to move the ball just enough to win the game? Because that's the key here is that you do not need to put up very many points. If you get to double digits, you're going to win this game. But how do you do that? How do you take care of the ball? Because we've seen this Iowa defense can put up more points than the Iowa offense. And that's, you know, the Wisconsin offense transition from being so run heavy to being this you know newfangled off pass first option that they've talked about i don't necessarily know if this is the game that you really want to go full in on on that transition right now yeah yeah i and and that leads me to the the big point that i have for this game will the real tanner mordecai stand up (laughs) because he's the whole thing if tanner mordecai actually plays the way he's supposed to play for the Wisconsin Badgers at quarterback, 
They are a completely different team. Might maybe would have beat Washington State in Washington State. Yep. But the real guy's not stood up. Stood up. I know that when he played, before he hit the portal and came to Wisconsin, different player. But it's just something about his time at Wisconsin. I mean, we got a 1,000 yards passing, three touchdowns, three interceptions. But there's supposed to be this eccentric, throw the ball all over the field, take the pressure off of the running back because, ladies and gentlemen, they do have one of the best running backs in the whole country in Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen yeah. could possibly still end up, and this is saying a mouthful, and this is what you call a big G burner. Braylon Allen still could end up being first-team all-Big Ten running back. And that's with two dogs in Penn State, two dogs in Michigan, and two dogs at Ohio State. And this kid still is in the conversation for first-team all-Big Ten running back. He's really that good. He's going to be playing on Sundays, and he's a big-time baller. But can they move the ball against the Iowa Hawkeyes? Because, like you said, in every ranking, every stat, everything I've seen, they play that traditional stud 4-3 defense, and you can't move the ball on us ever. You know, so so this is mono e mono. Who's the bigger bully in the room? Is it Wisconsin or is it Iowa? And does Iowa find a guy to replace their starting quarterback due to the injury? Andy, we talked about it. We gave our pitch for either way. But I want to know who you're going with with Iowa versus Wisconsin, which I believe is for the Big Ten West. 100% with you. I think that the Big Ten West is yet again little brother to the Big Ten East, which is just, man, just feels like this, you know, if you're, yeah, anyways, uh, I just think it's ridiculous <laughs> that this keeps yeah. happening. But what I will say is uh, Braylon Allen is is the guy. Like, I, I cannot believe that Wisconsin continues to just find these running backs. Like, this guy is from Fond du Lac High School in Wisconsin. Like, they literally right. just grow running backs in, in Wisconsin, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Braylon Allen's the difference because at this point against Iowa, you know that you need a workhorse. And over the last few weeks, Braylon Allen's usage rate has really gone up. Uh, he's got 12 carries against Georgia Southern, then 16 against Purdue, 21 against Rutgers last week. He's yeah. getting a home, you know, Georgia Southern. He only got 94 yards every other game over a hundred yards. Yeah. I think we are looking at the Braylon Allen emergence game here. I think this is going to be a classic game where they're going to feed him the ball 25, 30 times. It's not going to look pretty. There's going to be a lot of one, two yard stuffs at the line of scrimmage, but this is how you're going to have to win the game. I think that Braylon Allen is good enough of a talent to get that one big chunk play. Cause that's all you need. You just need one 30, 40 yard run. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're in field goal range or you're in you're in the red zone and you're able to do something. I'm picking right. Wisconsin to win this game 13 to 5. I think Iowa gets a safety. I think yeah. they get a field goal. That's yeah. it. Man, I, I promise you, I have an oddball score in my head, too. And I just think that the Wisconsin Badgers will show a lot of effort. I think that they yeah. realize and know this is their one opportunity. For them to get an opportunity for a chance to play whoever comes out of the Big Ten East. And 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 Finkus, great coach out of University of Cincinnati from the Buckeye land. And I think he's trying to prove something too, because he's trying to change the culture in Wisconsin. But I got a crazy eyeball score for you. I got 18 to 8. Final score. Cool. Wisconsin over Iowa. 18 to 8. I think Wisconsin, I think Iowa scores a touchdown. Misses the extra point and just still gets a safety and gets eight points. 
But 18 to 8, 18 to 8 is my final score for Wisconsin at Iowa. Andy, we reached the last game. This is a game that nobody had on the schedule. But when you look at it, this might be one of the best games that's played that nobody's talking about for the entire college football season. The Wyoming Cowboys against Air Force. Man, what a game. Two top quality teams. Look at their scoring. Look at what they've done coming into this game. Andy, give me the breakdown for Wyoming Cowboys versus Air Force. I'm telling you, the Mountain West right now is one of the weirdest conferences because you've got uh, these two teams right now at the top of the conference, both sitting uh, you know, at undefeated in-conference play. Behind yeah. them, you've got a Boise State that's undefeated in conference play but lost three non-conference games. Facts. You've got Fresno who went on the road and won in Purdue uh, but then lost in Laramie as the favorite this past week. It Facts. is all these teams that I've just mentioned, all really plus teams according to SP+. They're all in the top 50, which means that they're bouncing out some ACC teams, some bottom Big 12 teams. Like these teams, if you put them in another conference, they would be mid, you know, tough opponents. Um, yeah. But this is one of those ones where if you look at Air Force, they're the 36th ranked team in the country according to SP+. And the reason that they're doing that is that Air Force has the 12th best defense in the country according to SP+. And on offense, they're running a really interesting version of the triple option. So for those yeah. that didn't know, going into this season, NCAA said no more chop blocks outside the tackle boxes, which is a yes. huge way that you get those big runs on those outside pitches. It's because you pitch the ball outside the tackle blocks, and then you either have a pulling tackle or a guard making those chop blocks on the edge rushers and on the linebackers breaking guys second levels. So there was a t uh, if you look at Air Force – or sorry, if you look at Army, Army straight up ditched the triple option. They're running a shotgun-based running attack and said, yep. no, 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 we can't do the triple if you can't chop block. Air right. Force took it as a challenge and said, no, no, this is why we're the smart academy here. We are going to yeah. figure out how to run a triple option even without these new rules, and it is super effective. It is, uh, for me, watching this game Underwatch. is most – Underwatch. It is, it is going to be one of the – it is one of the weirdest games to watch – but it's going to be one of the most fascinating to watch because if you're Wyoming and like you, you know, we both know this from just talking to football people. When you go from playing a regular offense to a triple option offense, that week of practice is hell because you only get yeah. so many hours with the players. You only get so many hours to really try to teach them certain looks and certain concepts. So if you're not right. used to playing an option week in and week out, games like this can really sneak up on you. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and see, this is the thing too, is that, I don't think the Wyoming's got this super passing attack, but when I'm telling you they're mean, nasty, and physical, they're mean, nasty, and physical. And I think they have one of the most unsung running backs, a kid that I believe, not this year, he's a junior, but I believe coming next year, he will be playing in the NFL. Harrison Wally, running back, Wyoming, man. The kid's almost got 600 yards rushing. He's a he's what you call a bowling ball. You know, he's five foot nine. He's about 205, 210 pounds, low to the ground, low gravity, but he can hit all run on you. Don't get it twisted. And I, I don't know if Air Force has the defense that can stop him. You know, so and, and like you said, it's the Mountain West. And even though it's a subpar conference, and we don't give a lot of credit or a lot of coverage on our show to them. But when you got a game that's five and one versus an undefeated team, you got to talk about it. Because that's fair, and that's what we do on the Level Up podcast.
So, Andy, since we shine some light on this game, give me your pick for Wyoming versus Air Force. I'm, I'm looking at this team, and one of the things that's really interesting about this Wyoming team is that this is probably the best roster that they've had since the Josh Allen years. It might even nice. be a better overall. It might even be a better overall roster. Um, but some of their some of their guys on the offensive line are really good, and they look like they can be really good down the line. But we're looking at a lot of freshmen, sophomores, you know, junior kind of vibe. We're not looking at a lot of upperclassmen. We're not looking at a lot of super seniors here. And I think when you look at how good Air Force's defense has been, when you add in the complexity of having to face the triple option on short notice, when you're facing a triple option that's still really good, I think that Air Force right now is favored by nine and a half. That feels too big of a spread for me. I think it's going to be a one-score game here. But I do think that Air Force is going to win this game. But if this game was down in Laramie, if it was up in if it was in Wyoming, yeah. I'd have a completely different tune because that is a that is a, one of the hardest places to play in all college football. Wyoming really missed out on the scheduling luck here. But yeah. I'm going to take Air Force. I think I think Air Force is going to win the Mountain West, and I think Air Force is by far the best uh, service academy this year. Yeah, I agree, and I I believe, and I, I'm gonna got another hot take for you. I don't think if Air Force wins this game, they went out. And Air Force might play in one of those lower, not the, the New York Six Bowls, but one of those bowls you're like, how in the heck did Air Force get in this bowl game? Well, you're going to have to go back and watch them kill people with that triple option because I think they got the talent this year for sure, for sure. So give me Air Force, man. I like Air Force to win. I'm going to give you my score. I'm going to say 28-17 Air Force. I think that they will win, and I think they went out after they win this game this weekend. Andy, you got a score and a prediction? I think I'm I'm 100 with you. Air Force winning out would be really fun and really interesting, and I would absolutely love to see it. I think Air Force wins this game 24 to 20. I'm going to say 24 20. 24 20 is where I'm sitting it. I like that. I like that score. Well, I like it. I like it a lot. We've come to another closeout of the Level Up podcast on Fans First Sports Network. Man, we covered a lot of games. We covered a lot of ground. We went coast to coast this week. We went all the way from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, up there in Seattle, Washington. We done covered some ground. So before we go, Andy, you got anything that you want to share with the people to talk about with the Level Up Fans First Sports Network podcast? Uh, you know, check me out at AC Pregler on all the socials. That's where you can find me. Make sure to head over to my Substack, uh, acpregler.substack.com to get my weekly college football newsletter, mostly talking about Syracuse, sometimes talking about the ACC, sometimes talking about other things. But I always make sure to link to this podcast, link to my ACC podcast, link to my Syracuse podcast that we do here at Fans First Sports Nation. Make sure you get all your college football podcasts that you want to listen to from there. Man, for sure, for sure, Andy. Make sure you guys check him out because Andy puts some great information out there concerning college football and across the board, man. Hey, so make sure you check me out. I'm going to go and switch it up and do the Cavaliers, that's rather Cavaliers podcast with my boy Tabor Fresh because it's revving up the season. So here we go with NBA basketball. And make sure you check me out on Wednesdays along with Tabor Fresh and Shannon White on Pump Your Breaks podcast. We got a lot going on over there, a lot of energy. Because the Pittsburgh Steelers handed the Baltimore Ravens an L-Dog 
That's what I'm talking about. Look at Andy getting hyped over there. That's what I'm talking about. So, and don't forget to check me, Take Boy Fresh, Payday, and my boy B Dirt on the Homies Podcast and the Homies Overtime Podcast, which we rock out on Fridays on Fans First Sports Network. And then Sundays, you know how we get out on the Know It All's Podcast. Me, Mod, we ain't feeling so good right now because. There's L Dogs for the Texas Longhorns and the Dallas Cowboys. And my boy Tate Boy Fresh. So we're going to cheer him up this week and let him know it's only a game. It's only a game, bro. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening and rocking with us this week on the Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast. Me and Andy P in the building. We'll check y'all next week. Peace.